0: Amen. Well, we are in Leviticus chapter 4. And as we've been going through Leviticus, we've been talking about the various offerings. The offerings that, that the Lord told His people to give up to Him, to, to offer up to Him. And as we talk today about the sin offering, I do want to begin by just talking about something that's happened, I know, in many of our lives you know, when we talk about breaking the law. You know, how many of us have, have broken the law and said, Man, I didn't know. I didn't know that that was wrong. I didn't know that. You know what, that I was, I, I couldn't drive at 55 miles per hour on a 40 mile speed zone. You know, and, and many times when, you know, when we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing, you know, we're ignorant to what the law says, Right? And so we come up with these excuses and we, I mean, they're real because, you know what, well, we're ignorant to that. But one thing that we do know is that, you know what, the ignorance of the law doesn't, doesn't excuse it, right? You know, and we know that whatever law we may break, we know that there's a, pay, a price to pay for that, right? We know that there's a penalty to pay for it. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about just the breaking of the law and, and, and the penalty that comes with it and, and the things that we must do to, to restore that fellowship with the Lord. You know, many of us or many people think, you know what, that God is going to excuse them, right? Because, you know what, they were ignorant to, to His commands or, or to His word. And, and they, are going to think, they think that, you know what, that God's going to overlook my sin, Because I didn't know that I was breaking the law. You know what? No sin will be overlooked. We are all held accountable when we break His commandments. Whether we knew or not. There must be a penalty that must be paid for that. Because there is no excuse. And before Christ, what was it? What was it that that would need to be done? You know, before Christ came, we know that the people of God, in order to restore fellowship, they had to sacrifice an animal. And they had to sacrifice this, and this is a way God allowed a covering of their sin. This is a way God allowed a restoration of fellowship. But as we talk about sin, I want to share this with you because when we think about sin, right? I mean the the definition of sin is missing the mark, right? We've missed the mark. We've missed what God has told us to do. You know, whether it be intentional, whether it be unintentional, it doesn't matter. You still miss the mark. You know, when we, when we get off track, you know, we get off track. You know what, there's no like, wow. Well, you know what, I, 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 I missed I miss the off ramp and, and you know what, somehow I'm going to get back on it. No, you missed it. And so there's no turning back you got to get off on the next one. But see, this is what sin does with us, right? It separates us because we miss the mark. We miss following the commandments of God. And so the only way to restore this fellowship in order to get back on track, we must come to Jesus as believers, you and I. But for the Jews, for His people, they needed to sacrifice animals and this was the only way that fellowship could be restored. And today we're going to be talking about the sin offering. And with the sin offering, let's, re- let's begin to read in verse 1 of chapter 4 in Leviticus. It says "And Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish, as a sin offering. So we see here, you know what he first talks about, you know what if, if a person unintentionally sins against the commandments of the Lord, meaning his law, What he's he's given to us, his word. You know what, whether he knows it or not. You know what, there's going to have to be an offering. There's going to have to be somebody that pays the penalty for that sin. For missing the mark. And I don't want any of us to get confused with any of these offerings. And this is why I talk about these offerings individually. You know, the burnt offering. You know, the burnt offering spoke Of total consecration. When that animal was sacrificed to the Lord, everything was put on that altar. And what it symbolized was us totally consecrating ourselves, setting ourselves apart, giving ourselves wholly to the Lord. And then we talked about the meal and the grain offering. And how this referred to our total service to the Lord. You know, as a people of God, the Lord desires that we would all be servants of the Most High, right? Completely yielded to His service. And then last week, we talked about the peace and the fellowship offering. You know, this was an offering that made peace with God. That allowed one to commune with God, to have fellowship with God. And now, we are talking about the sin offering. This is what restored the sinner to God. And, you know, as he talks about, you know what, when somebody unintentionally sins against God. Do you remember what the Lord said when he was on the cross? Luke recorded this for us. He says, you know, as, as the Lord, before he gave up his spirit, he said, forgive them for they do not know what they do, right? See, they weren't aware of what they were doing. They weren't aware that they were crucifying, that that, that they were killing Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God in the flesh. They had no idea that they were crucifying God. But we do know one thing that God said, you know what? I put myself there. You know what? Because no one crucifies me. No one takes my life. He says, you know what? Your sins, all sins of mankind have nailed me on this cross. And he went joyfully. And so, as we talk about this, someone has to pay the penalty for sin. There has to be, as it is told to us in Hebrews, right? There has to be a shedding of blood for the remission, for the forgiveness of sin. This is the way it has been ordained from the beginning of time. There has to be. That's the only way that sin can be forgiven. And so we have here, today we're talking about the sin offering. And we're talking about people. Or here, the high priest bringing an animal before the Lord. And I do want to talk about one thing before we get into exactly what takes place. You know, the different animals, we're going to share how there were different animals that were sacrificed to the Lord. And depending on your position or depending on your accountability, you would have a, 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 a more expensive or a higher animal that would be sacrificed. As God's word shares with us, right? To whom much is given, much is required. And for the high priest, the offering, the sacrifice was a more expensive one. See, because the consequence was greater for the spiritual leader. See, the high priest, when he sinned unintentionally, he offered an expensive bowl, one without blemish. See, it's like a pastor in a church or a spiritual leader within a church, an elder, a deacon. You know what? When a deacon or a pastor sins, you know what? It's brought to him, right? By two or three witnesses. That's the only way that you can bring the sin of a pastor or a deacon or an elder before the church. There has to be two or three witnesses. You know, when the Lord raises up assistant pastors here and elders or deacons. You know what? If somebody comes to me with an accusation, unless they have two or three witnesses, I'm not going to hear it. See, because we have to follow what the Word of God says. But once two or three witnesses are brought in, then the matter is heard, then the sin is confronted. And if it is true by these two or three witnesses, then guess what happens to that pastor, elder, or deacon? He's brought before the church. And his sin is revealed to the church. See, this is the way God has ordained it, and this is what we follow within the church. See, but a member, a member of the church, usually he's not going to be brought before the congregation, right? See, because a spiritual leader, he's held to a higher responsibility to a higher accountability and so that is why the magnitude or the consequence is greater and why do we do this you know when timothy talked about the order within the church right when a pastor sins or an elder or deacon to bring fear into the church so that they don't fall into sin you know what's amazing and it's a shame It's a shame that this goes on and it's just not in one religion. But there are other religions that do the same. And what I'm talking about is when a pastor or a leader, an elder, a deacon, when they sin, guess what they do? They transfer them, right? They don't address the sin. The sin will never be dealt with. You know, where there's how many, how many times has this, it's been out in the news, what I'm gonna share with you is no, nothing new, but with the Catholic Church and the priest. Instead of dealing with the sin that is that they are committing, they try to hide it. And they transfer them from one church to another church. And a church not close by, they transfer them like to the other part of you know of this, of the of the country. So that it doesn't come out. They want to hide these things. And I see it happening in other faiths and other religions. Where they do the same thing. They try to hide it. And that should not be so. Because as they hide it, they're not dealing with the sin. See, because any chastening that happens, it's not to... You know what to destroy their walk you know what it's done it's done to restore them You know whenever you see a sinning brother Galatians 6:1 says you restore them in gentleness in the spirit of gentleness and love See because God's chastening is always done for restoration And so for us you know when when we when we, when, when we identify sin within a member we always must We must always go to them in a spirit of gentleness. The sin must be dealt with. But the whole premise behind it is to restore them back to where they need to be in the Lord. So let's keep reading. It says there in verse 4, it says, He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Lay his hand on the bull's head. And kill the bull before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar, the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take from it all the fat of the bull as a sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat which is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. As it was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall burn them on the altar burnt offering. But the bull's hide and its flesh with its head and its legs, its entrails and offal, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out, burned, and burn it on the wood with fire. Where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. There's a lot that is going on there. And I want to cover it in, in detail because there's much symbolism here and there's much to be said when it comes to the various steps that needed to be taken. Remember the sin offering in Leviticus 4. If anyone sinned against God, against His Word, whether it be unintentional, there had to be a penalty. There had to be There had to be an offering to restore, to bring restoration and fellowship with God. And even though they didn't know that, they didn't excuse him. And so when we're talking about the high priest here, he had to bring a bull, right? He had to bring a bull that had no defects. He had to bring a bull that had, you know what, that had no blemishes, no disease, no deformity, no spots on them. It had to be perfect, just like our Lord is perfect. And this bull that was sacrificed, the high priest, the priest would have to put his hand on the bull's head. And why was this done? Why was it that he had to put his hand on it? Because he was transferring his guilt, his sin, upon that animal. He was transferring it. When he put his hand on it, it was was a transferring of his guilt, of his sin. See, because somebody had to pay with their life for that sin. And it was the bull. The bull was going to pay his, was going to give his life. He had to give up his life for there to be restoration, to pay the penalty of this sin. And as I've shared with you in the past, guess who was the one that was killing these animals? It wasn't all the rest of the priests, right? It was the offender, the one that committed the sin. He was the one that killed the bull. Many people always think that it was the bull. I mean, that it was the priest that would kill the bull. But it was the sinner, the offender. He was the one that killed the bull, and then the blood was brought before God. And here what we see here, it was sprinkled before the veil. And how many times did he sprinkle the blood before the veil? We're talking about now in the tabernacle because the altar burnt offering where they sacrificed these animals, it was outside of the tabernacle there. So what would happen here is that the altar of burnt offering that was outside, that's what they would sacrifice him. And so what would take place is that they would take the blood inside the holy place. You know, we had the most holy, the holy of holies where the Lord resided. And then outside of that, that's where the holy place was. God wasn't there, but I mean, he was in the whole place, but he resided in the holy of holies. And outside of the holy of holies was the altar of incense. It was also where the candlestick was and the table of showbread. But they would sprinkle the blood seven times. And why seven? What does seven symbolize? Completion, right? Perfection. And so the sacrifice was complete. That's why it would be thrown there before the veil. And that they would apply blood on the horns of the altar of incense. This is not the altar of burnt offerings, okay? The altar of burnt offerings was outside of this place. And then the rest of the blood, it would be thrown on the altar of burnt offerings. See, these sin, this sin of the spiritual leader, you know, there was great consequences. And God needed to cleanse us because, see, the leader is so important. If I'm leading you astray in the Word of God as a spiritual leader, there's great consequences. And it's important that I teach you the Word with accuracy. And what's awesome is that you can check out the things that I say, too. You know, there was a town in Berea, right, in Greece. And the people there, when Paul would go out and preach... You know what the people would do? Is they would go back to the Old Testament scriptures to verify that what Paul was saying was accurate. And that's what God has called us to do, right? To be Bereans. Don't always just believe what I say. Check it out for yourself. And then what they would do is they would take the fat of the bull. That would be the kidneys and the fat, the fatty lobe. And guess what they would do with that? That is what they would put on the altar of burnt offering. This is where the sacrifices that were given to the Lord. They would put all of that stuff on there. And then after that because see they had to, open, they had to first kill it, wash it, clean it, take out this stuff, and then the remaining body parts, you know what they would do with the remaining body parts? They would take it outside of the camp. Remember, this is a sin offering. So they would take the head, the remaining body parts. They would take it outside. And that is in uh, verse 12. They would take everything of that bowl, the remaining parts, outside of the camp, and they would burn it. Remember with the burnt offering, we were talking about that. We talked about that when we opened up Leviticus the first burnt offering. Remember when they would do the same thing too, right? They would cut the hide off all the body parts. So, and they would give that to the priest. And guess what the priest would do with those hides? They wear it as coats, right? To keep warm. You know, that's what they would do with the hide. But not this one. They can't do that with the sin offering. Why isn't it that they can, they, that, why is it that they cannot do this with the sin offering? See, because... God doesn't want the sins of the spiritual leaders to pollute his body, his camp. See, God wants us to be holy, right? And if there's any sign of sin, he wants it outside of the camp. See, this is why it is so important that in our homes, whatever you have in your homes, you got a clean house. You don't want the world polluting you. You know what? There's always an invitation of the world in our uh, when when you keep things of the world in your house, it reminds you of that. It brings you back to it. You know, it's funny. This past weekend, I guess some people took it off, but at my name at my house, there was three parties going on on um, both of my houses, right next door to each other, and then one across the street or behind us, I should say. And they were all having parties, and the kids were man. That's that disco music you were talking about, right, Dad? I said, yeah, that's it. He says, you know what, as as that music was going on, I just remembered, you know, it brings flashbacks to when I was partying, when I was clubbing, and the things that I used to do. See, when we keep all this stuff in our house, we're polluting our house. The memories, you know, you go back to them. And I pray that you don't long for these places. You know, we have posters of the world or posters of, of sin that's in our houses. Take them down. Throw them out. Who do you represent? Do you represent the Lord or the world? If somebody walks into your house, can they say, you know what? This guy's a Christian. Or, can they, or they'll say, man, he's just like me. You know, I remember when I came to the Lord. You know what? I had a lot of CDs and the... Not albums. I had, I had tapes and A tracks, right? And VHS and films and all that stuff. And I remember when I came to the Lord, you know what? I remember my, my wife saying, you know what? We got a clean house. She had heard a, a, one of the preachers talk about it. And she says, you know what? I gotta come. We got to go home and we got to clean house. And I'm like, oh man, I got to get rid of all this stuff. It's worth a lot of money. And she says, no, we got to get rid of it. And I agreed with her, you're right. We got to throw it away. And many people say, but you know what? I want to sell it. I want to make some money off of it, right? Hey, these things are worth a lot of money. You know what? Well, why do you want to pollute somebody else with it? Throw it away. When you start throwing away things, do you know what you're saying? Or what's happening is, you are truly... You are truly setting yourself apart, right? You're truly no longer entangled with the ways of the world, with the things of the world. You know, and that is what's happening here. You know what he says? You know what? When it comes to that bull, that bull represents sin. And we don't want it in the camp. So what I want you to do is take it out. You throw it out. You throw it out. Take it out of the camp and throw it away. I want to talk to you about the Corinthian church. Do you remember, for those of you that know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was a young man that was sleeping with his father's wife. And you know what was going on in the church? I mean, and the church knew that it was going on, and the church didn't care. They were saying, you know what? We understand these things. We're tolerant of sin. We're exercising grace, right? And you know what Paul told them? He says, no way. You get that man out of your congregation. He's polluting you guys. As people see this man committing sin, what are they going to say? Hey, if he's doing it, why can't I, right? Isn't that the way we are as people? My kids are all, you know what? That is something that I always had to share with my kids when they were younger. They would say, but you know what? They're doing it, or my relatives are doing it, or my friends are doing it. Just because they're doing it, does that make it right? You know what? If you saw your friends, I would always tell them them this. If you saw your friend jumping off of a very high bridge with no water flowing down beneath it, would you jump off too? No. See, we don't copy the world. We don't copy sin. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to put it out of our lives. Put that sin away. Set yourself apart. You know, when it comes to polluting the church, how is it that we deal with brothers that are sinning within the church? What we do is we do a Matthew 18, 15, right? You know what a brother that loves them and sees them sinning, you go to him and you tell him these things, right? You tell them how they're sinning. And if he doesn't hear from you, what do you do? You take two or three witnesses, right? And you tell them his offense. And then if he doesn't receive it, what do you do? You ask him to leave the church. You know what's amazing? And I've never liked this, but I've had to do this several times at our church. And it's nothing to be proud of. But see, I need to make sure as a spiritual leader, as God has placed me and called me to be the pastor of this church, I must make sure that there is no pollution of this church, that this church isn't tainted by sin. You know, I want us to be that church, and we are that church from what I can see. That church in Revelation 3, the faithful church. And you know what that church was faithful to? They were faithful to the Lord and to His Word to do exactly what His Word says. And that's what we practice in this church. We must be faithful to the Word of God. Some things may not make make sense to us. Some things we question, right? We say, well, why do we have to do that? You know what? You do it because God has asked us to do it, right? It's that simple, God knows better. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Just do as I say, and you will see my marvelous works, how I move. But back to Leviticus. Leviticus 4, verse 12. As I mentioned there, they would take out the hide and all the body parts. Did you know that in isaiah fifty three ten it mentions there that Jesus that the Lord was our sin offering he was our sin offering, and if it was our sin offering, guess what Jesus had to be guess what they had to do with Jesus They had to take him outside of the camp, right when he was crucified when he was when he was when he gave up his life, he had to be what taken out of the camp. And did you know that Hebrews 13 shares that very statement with us? Let's turn to Hebrews 13. In Hebrews 13, verse 10. It says that we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. A reminder. And it says there in verse 12, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered where? Outside the gate. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. See, Jesus, when He was crucified, He was crucified outside of where? Jerusalem, right? On Calvary. It was outside. The symbolism and how everything all points to the Lord. You know, and this is what's so amazing as we've been going through Leviticus and the final chapters of Exodus and looking at everything that it talks about how it all points to the Lord. Going back to Leviticus. Let's read it from verse 13. It says Now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done, and are guilty, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord. Then the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of burnt offerings, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. And he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. Thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as, it, as he burned the first bull It is a sin offering for the assembly. So we have here now, we have here the nation of Israel. You know what? If the nation of Israel sins, what did they have to do? Just like the spiritual leader. They had to sacrifice an animal, an animal that would pay the penalty for their sin. Even though they didn't know they were sinning, they still had to pay the penalty, right? And so they would bring the bull, but who would lay their hands on the bull Because it's a whole nation of Israel that sinned. So it would be the elders, the representatives of Israel, would put their hand on the the head of the bull, transferring their guilt, their sin, onto the bull. And the bull was killed. And the blood was brought before the Lord, just like it was when the high priest, when the spiritual leader sinned. And they applied it the same way to the altar of incense on the horns. And the remaining blood was put on the altar burnt offering. And the fat and the kidney and the fatty lobe was offered to the Lord. And just like the bull for the high priest that sinned, the rest was taken outside of the camp and burned. Let's keep reading verse 22. When a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord his God, in anything which should not be done, and is guilty, Or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goat. So now we have a different type of animal, a male without blemish. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it at the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, Put it on the horns of the altar burnt offering and pour its blood at the base of the altar burnt offering. And he shall burn all its fat on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin and it shall be forgiven him. So now we're talking about a ruler, a leader, a leader within the nation. It's not a spiritual leader because the spiritual leaders are held to a higher accountability and we know that also the nation was held to a higher accountability when the when the nation of Israel if the church has sin what is it that you do you bring a male goat okay a male goat without blemish see because a goat isn't as expensive as what as a bull you know the bulls i mean these things are are, are, are they're costly they're they're a lot of money and but the same way is that the leader would lay his hands on the head of the goat, and they would transfer his guilt, his sin, onto the animal, so that he can, and the animal would pay the price. They kill it, the ruler kills it, and pulls, puts the blood on the horns of the altar burnt offering. Did you see here that no blood was put before the veil, or in the altar of incense? See, because again, the consequences of a spiritual leader are greater. You know what? Have you read James 3.1? And I'm going to share it with you. It says that there is stricter judgment. It comes to those who are the teachers of His Word. A stricter judgment. See how everything comes together? A stricter judgment for the spiritual leader. A, str- a stricter judgment to those that teach His Word. And you know what's so awesome about this is that there's many of you that are now teaching the Word of God. You're now held to a higher accountability. Some of you are thinking, oh no, should I be teaching? No, God has called you all to teach. But see, this is why we, we look at the Word of God and we study it because see, we don't want to teach anybody anything that is false. How much time do you put into teaching the Word of God? We must be faithful and committed to teach the truth of God. And the same thing it is with a nation that has sinned, right? Remember, the blood was put on the altar of incense. The blood was thrown before the veil. There is greater judgment on a nation that is sinning. Do you know what happened to the nation of Israel? And, uh, well, when the, the nation of Israel divided into Israel and Judah... As they walked away from the Lord, as they began to commit adultery and have idol worship and do the ways of the world, the Lord said, you know what? The nation of Assyria, I'm going to allow them to conquer Israel. I'm going to allow the Babylonians to conquer Judah. And you know, when I thought about this, I think about our country. How we've allowed sin. How we are calling now what is good, evil, right? Right? How this nation is allowing what is evil to be called good. How they want us to be tolerant of these things and to accept this sin. You know, when we think about this, our nation, are we still the powerhouse that we once were? You know, you look at our economy, you look at our strength, you look at the riches. It's slowly evaporating, isn't it? And why is this? Because of the, 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 the sins of this nation. You know, are walking, are, are, are walking away from God. You know, where do you know? Or, or when would this ever happen? When you know what? When you can burn, when our military can burn Bibles... And the government allows it, the leaders. But yet, when they burn the Quran, it's a crime. They talk against it. See, this is what's happening in our nation. When they're allowing sin to run, run rapid. And they're saying it's okay. And that we need to accept it, right? We need to be tolerant of it. See, our nation is sinning against the laws of God. And as I think about this, is this why our nation is where it is today? Only God knows. I pray for revival because I want you to know this. There is still a lot of good things happening in this church. I mean, in this nation. You know why? Because the church is still here. We're still here, right? And the Holy Spirit is still refraining, restraining, I should say, evil from taking over from the Antichrist, from coming and doing as he wills. I just gave you a story about the abortion clinic that has been doing it for 30 years in La Puente and the doors are closed. And now the Word of God and the Lord is going to reside there and do the things that He intends to do there. There's still good happening. You know, we still, gotta, we still need to continue to go out and reach out, reach out to this community and share the good news. You know, pray for revival, but that revival cannot take place in La Puente unless that revival begins in your heart. Once you're sold out for the Lord, it becomes contagious and God begins to do great works in and through you. See, we want God to move. And He wants to move. But He's looking for those that are faithful to Him, loyal to Him, sold out for Him. The same thing here, they burn the fat on the altar. And the rest is taken out of the camp. You know, we're running out of time, but I do want to share this with you. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, in verse 9, it says, When the army goes out against your enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. If there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night, then he shall go outside the camp. He shall not come inside the camp. But it shall be when evening comes that he shall wash with water. And when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. Also, you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out and you, shall have, and you shall have an implement among your equipment. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. See, we're talking there. People have to go to the restroom. He says, you know what? Take an instrument. Take a shovel with you. Go outside of the camp. That filth, that dirt. Put it in the ground and dig it back in the dirt. There should be no dirty thing among us. In our homes, in our lives. Why do I allow these things to take place? See, as we go back, and we're going to finish in Leviticus here. We're going to finish in chapter... uh, These last verses of chapter 4, I'm sorry. I mentioned chapter 5 last, I meant chapter 4. I'm going to read to you the remainder of the chapter. It says there, And he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat. I'm sorry, verse 27 says, If anyone of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, Or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, As fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall burn it on the altar for sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger Put it on the horns of the altar burnt offering and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat as a fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed and it shall be forgiven him. So the commoner, just a regular person, no leader, no spiritual leader. If he sins against the law of God, he can bring a female goat or a female lamb. And it's not a male one, it's a female one, but it is without blemish. And he also lays his hands on the goat, transferring his sin, his guilt onto it, because that goat will be slaughtered, will be killed for the forgiveness of sins. He kills it and he puts the blood on the horns of the altar burnt offering and takes the fat and offers it to the Lord to make atonement the covering for sin so that he can be forgiven of the sin and this is a sweet aroma to the lord see what has taken place the lord loves it he calls it a sweet aroma we've been talking about offerings but i want to talk now about jesus christ see because for us right we don't have offerings anymore some of these things, we, don't, we can't connect to it anymore because there's no offerings that we do. We're not sacrificing animals, are we? We don't need to do that anymore, right? See, because all these sacrifices could never accomplish what Jesus Christ did. We don't need animals. I want us to turn to Hebrews 10. And this is, this is where we're going to conclude. In Hebrews 10... Chapter, I mean, verse 1. It says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. It can't do that. It doesn't, because they do it every year. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. So, in other words, if it did this, if it cleansed them, then guess what? They don't have to offer the, the sacrifices anymore. It would, uh, you know what? And it goes on to say, for the worshipers, once purified, would, not, would have had no more consciousness of sin. In other words, if it truly cleansed them of their sins, you know what? No more animals would be sacrificed. But verse 3 says, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. It just reminded them of their sins. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. You know, as we look at this, it was only a shadow. These sacrifices were a reflection of what was coming. The Levitical system provided no entry into God's presence. And the Old Testament sacrifices could not remove sin or forgive sin. It only reminded them of its deficiency. And let's go to verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has made perfect I'm sorry, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That is what's so amazing. See, fellowship has been restored through Jesus Christ. No more sacrifices need to be made. We have been uh, forgiven. As the Lord says, you know what? Your sins I remember no more. Your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. And now we become what? Accepted in the beloved. See, when God sees us, He sees what? The righteousness of Christ that has been imputed onto us. When you go to heaven, when you're face to face with the Lord, did you know that you'll be allowed to go through? Because when God the Father sees you, He's going to see His Son. He sees the righteousness of Christ in you. See, your fellowship with God has been restored through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Our faith must be in Jesus Christ, in nothing else. Nothing else can cleanse you of your sin. Nothing else can give you entrance into the kingdom of God. See, when I think of being accepted in the beloved. We are accepted because of Jesus Christ. He's the beloved. And because of his sacrifice, we're accepted by God. Isn't this something to rejoice about? I think we should all have smiles on our faces knowing that, you know what? That we have restored fellowship as we have said yes to the Lord. As we have opened up our hearts, the doors of our hearts, as He's been knocking and we've allowed Him to come in and to dine with us. You know, I love the Scriptures. I love learning the truth of God. I love His Word. You know what? God desires that we would know everything about Him. And how when we read the Old Testament Scriptures, how they point to Jesus Christ. How it's all about Him. That's what He told us, right? The law, the prophets, the Psalms. They all speak of me. It's all about Jesus. And in Jesus we have victory. You shouldn't allow the world to bring you down. The giants that come before us. You know what? We have so much in Christ. We are so filled with riches. As I keep sharing with you, we're going to rule with Christ. You know what? And this is all because of his love for us and the spiritual blessings that he gives to those that say yes to him, the forgiveness of sins, and the right to have fellowship with God. That's amazing. It's a supernatural work of God. It is a miracle of God that any of us are saved. And we know what we were before and we know who we are today. And we know that there's no way that we could be what we are today without the power of God. His scriptures, His word, His Holy Spirit as they cleanse us, as He wash us, as they transforms us when we say yes to Him as we realize what God has done for us, may we just give him back our hearts. I pray that we would be a people that are sold out for him. You know, that we are not not cold, not lukewarm, but that the body of believers at this church, that we would be hot for him, on fire for him, that the fire would be burning strong that the light would not be dimming. You know what? There's a work before us here in this city. There's a work before us in our families. Maybe, may we be worthy of the calling upon, of our, upon our lives. God loves us. and God wants to work through us. Let us yield to Him and not to the world, to the pleasures of sin. Let us not pollute our homes, our lives. But let us be a people that are set apart. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. His treasure, his special people. With that, let us close. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for being the sin offering, Lord. As it was revealed to us in Hebrews, Lord, that you were our sin offering, Lord. Lord. Imagine that. We were supposed to take that penalty, but you took it for us because of your love for us. Lord, thank you for that. May we be a people, Lord Jesus, that don't allow the world to pollute us, that allow sin to pollute us. But may we be a people, Lord Jesus, that are sold out for you. May we be a people, Lord Jesus. That are committed to you. Lord Jesus, you look. You look throughout the earth, Lord. Your eyes go to and fro. Looking for people, Lord. That are faithful to you. That have loyal hearts to you, Lord. May this church, Lord Jesus. May the people within this body, Lord. May we be sold out for you. Loyal and faithful, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, for being our sin offering, Lord. For taking our penalty, Lord. And for allowing us to have fellowship with God. Lord, you're so awesome. You're so great. You are the great I am, the King of kings and Lord of lords. May we be servants, Lord Jesus. Doing as our master says. Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We can stand.